You're listening to Around the King's Table, a podcast of the Mount Church in Clemson, South Carolina, with Pastor George Marshall and Pastor Brian Mann. Pull up a chair and listen in as they seek to serve up biblical dialogue for building disciples of Jesus. Welcome to this episode of Around the King's Table. Around the King's Table. Is this episode 50? It is episode 50. Balloons are flying everywhere. Today, today. We're going to be talking about First uh, Timothy chapter four. Yeah, it ended up hopefully eleven through sixteen in our look at the book series. So we'll go right into it. I'm going to read to us from First Timothy four, beginning in verse eleven, where Paul tells Timothy, "Command and teach these things." We have to go back to what these things things are. are. Yeah. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, Faith. in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And thus closes First Timothy chapter 4. So, wow. Lots of really good stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, our listeners are, are just sitting on the edge of their seats awaiting your oh, response my. to all of it. So, here we go. <clears throat> uh, back up to verse 11, 1 Timothy 4, 11. Uh, Paul says, command and teach these things. Do you want to... Try to rehash these things. Oh, gosh. I mean, there's there's been a lot. I mean, most immediately, of course, he has in mind most likely that rather train yourself for godliness. So this is not just a thing for Paul's protege. This is a thing for the church at large is to be training themselves towards godliness. Yep. Um, certainly, as, as it relates to the, the qualifications, um, commanding and teaching these things, I mean, again, we're, we're seeing mostly attributes of character of holiness of godliness fleshed out from the gospel instead of just traits business acumen and skill sets um we see mostly paul's focus has been on godliness on on a conduct that flows out of a changed heart yeah vital i mean it gives us a whole letter that we're going through right now on sunday mornings to talk about how vital it is that we make the distinction between Works mm-hmm. being included in part of our justification, right? Versus works yeah. being the immediate result mm-hmm. of the fact that we have been justified and with that we've been born again, right? So it's a part of our sanctification, and so I think you're right. I think he's focused so far essentially on <clears throat> the gospel that saves sinners, mm-hmm. but also the gospel that sanctifies saints, mm-hmm. um, and so. 
uh, just a reminder here to Timothy, command and teach these things. Don't get away from the gospel ever. Right. Uh, you want people to be saved. You want the saved to, to grow in godliness. Mm-hmm. Keep on keep on preaching the truths of the gospel. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that is probably uh, the main emphasis there. He's gonna, I mean, he's going to immediately jump into it now. But I mean, ultimately, it's not just teach these things. Mm-hmm. Let people know, but then you're off the hook. It's, it's command. It's actually taking a... More than just passive interest in the body's growth and progress in this quest towards point. godliness. Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, he's telling them, uh, telling him, Timothy, um, that you have a responsibility towards uh, these Christians yeah. uh, to command them, yeah. to, to teach them. And not just yeah. to teach them, but to command them. Yeah. Um, there's a sense in which an, we have an aspect of our responsibility as whatever, you, again, you want to call him a pastor or an apostolic, apostolic delegate or delegate. Yeah. whatever he is, that he, he has, a, has a kind of authority in the life of a congregation to both teach and to even exhort or to you know, give those imperatives, those commands as yeah. well. Uh, but, but like you said, you go to verse 12, let no one despise you for your youth. Mm-hmm. So he's pairing not just... Um, you know, it's not just that we, we, we teach and then we go home and we live lives that are largely private mm-hmm. in nature. Um, disconnected. From... Disconnected from the body, from uh, the public eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully the things that we're teaching and the way that we're living go yeah. hand in hand. They, they mirror one another. Yeah. And so he says here, let no one despise you for your youth. Mm-hmm. Let me just pause there and, and sit on his youthfulness. Yeah. Why would he need to <laughs> encourage him there? I mean, he's younger. I mean, he's probably got, I mean, he's not necessarily fitting into the mold. Of how just, young do you think Timothy is? That's always one of the big, um, the big questions. I don't know. I don't know how important it is, I, but I don't necessarily think he's a teenager. I don't either. Um, yeah. Late twenties. Yeah. I've always kind of thought he was kind of in his mid to late twenties. Yeah. I feel like once you hit 30, you're no longer really like, let no one despise you because of your youth. youth. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of like, you're a functioning adult. You may not be a yeah. highly functioning adult, yeah. but you're an adult. But it seems like maybe if the um, you know life expectancy at that time was probably not what it is today. 30s, maybe like middle-aged man. Sure. Um, I'll never forget an older pastor uh, of mine. Like, how old are you? I was like, you know, I forget. It was in my 30s. And he was like, yeah, you're not young. Like you're middle aged. <laughs> I never, oh, I never forget being told that I was middle aged. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, let's not let's not dwell on that thought anymore. <laughs> right, I know, I know. But at any rate, he's young. Yeah. He's young. Why might um, why might a church despise someone for their for their youthfulness? Well, especially if you're going to be commanding somebody to reject things that you're going to call straight up probably foolish. I mean, pretty much Paul has. He's telling him, treat that teaching as such, then you might be stepping on some toes. And, you know, in in a culture where age is sort of just Mm -hmm. demanded honor and respect. We're called elders. Yep. Having somebody come in, having somebody come in of of more youth, but maybe Mm -hmm. more biblical wisdom and maturity. Yeah. uh, It can still be a a difficult path. I mean, it's not. For no reason, we're told yeah. to, you know, he's going to be telling him, hey, you know, when you're laying hands on, oh, don't be too quick to do this kind of stuff. You know, yep. be, be careful and cautious. And, and so, yeah, there's a lot of reason why they might, you know, push back and say, you know, yeah. 
we're not going to listen. Qualifications so. for elders, overseers, pastors. Chapter 3, verse 6, he must not be a recent convert. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like a recent convert could be someone who is 70. Right. Right. He's just, he's just saying they, are, they, they should not be new in the faith. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you like your Timothy, let's say you're 28 years old, but you've been a Christian for, it seems like Timothy was converted probably in his teens. Yeah, I would think so. Had served with Paul in the mission field. So he had he had some missionary, um, apostolic, uh, pastoral mm-hmm. experience yep. underneath him. He yep. might have been um, a little bit older uh, than your normal, uh, you know, mid twenties to early thirties. Yeah, he represents. I mean, he represents a, a a group of people who probably received the gospel not just from a traveling ministers like Paul, Barnabas, those group, but mm-hmm. he's heard it from his grandmother. So. It's a third generation, not to say that, you know, that his parents were, but just, yeah. it's been in his family for yes. some time at least now. Yep. That's right. Yeah. And I think too, um, yeah, again, I mean, there's, there is that idea of, uh, you know, if you're young, you, you just haven't lived enough to be able to pastor. Me. Sure. You, you know, I mean, you, yeah, yeah. you can you go don't up have, here and teach. You don't have the life experience that yeah. I have to really speak into right. it. Right, and there's there's some wisdom to that. Like there's some, there is. There's some stuff to that. It can go too far. I mean, that's that's why we have things like, you know, when we start talking you know, uh, CRT right now and stuff, you're really dealing with somebody saying, if you don't have exactly my life experience yeah, right. by the way I define it, yeah. you can't really speak as me, for me, about me at all. Right. And we can do that to people. We can certainly say, you know, hey, unless you... Unless you have uh, had children, you can't talk to me about how to raise my kids. Right. Unless you've, you know, whatever it be. So. Yeah, that's right. How do you think that this should impact the way, since Timothy was something like an elder at the very least, how does that impact the way that we view young men Mm. for eldership in the church? Sure. I mean, young men, eldership. Yeah. I mean, certainly it shouldn't be, you know, it's not off the table. If you see somebody who is mm-hmm. mature or you actually see the gifts developing, developing. and growing, yeah, um, if thing. nothing else, that should be an indication, like get them in some sort of way that they can be training, mentoring, you know, doing yeah. those kind of things in order to develop those or, or at least see them through to see mm-hmm. if they are going to develop. Yeah. Um, how would you prepare a congregation to receive young men into eldership? What do you think would be important in terms of preparation so that the congregation's not, oh, he's only 25 years old or whatever? Well, I mean, one, certainly, I mean, while I'm not saying drop quality, certainly not being so hard on yourself don't want to or drop whoever. Quality. No, right. but you don't also want to be like a perfectionist to the point where, right. one, you're not going to let anybody else do less than you would perfectly do. Yeah. Um, nor that they expect that and so it becomes really about the performance and your eloquence and not about the message being preached, taught mm-hmm. spoken, sung whatever so I think that's a place to start is just yeah. moving away from that performance oriented culture in the, the church, in the worship service yeah. um, but I mean finding opportunities for anybody to serve where it is appropriate Mm-hmm. I think it works. So, you know, as people can read scripture, as people can right. lead in prayer, as they can work with kids, as they can do, you know, whatever environment it is that can have them working on teaching, have them working on leading, have them working on praying, you know, publicly. Doing public ministry. Public yeah. ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
without necessarily taking on authority. I think that's the next step is now we're right. taking authority and entrusted. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why he, he does pair these things together. Command and teach. And yep. also let them see that you live an exemplary life as well. Right. Sometimes I think with the young guys, they might be more, uh, they're, they're more vibrant than the older Yeah, the they have older energy brothers. and new ideas. And <laughs> yeah, right. Sometimes that needs to be tempered. And sometimes yeah, it's like, right. well, you want the young guys to kind of spur the older guys to yeah. a little bit of energy that they wouldn't. Maybe maybe they've yeah. gotten used to the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the young guys can also, they, they, maybe they're more charismatic. They're, they have more charisma. They're better sure. speakers. They're more down with the culture of the day. Sure. And, and we go, whoa, like that he is a really powerful speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, we kind of push them into roles yeah, in the church that they're not they're actually not pre- prepared yeah. uh, to handle. And then you're you're just asking for a problem, right. and so I think there's a there's a balance there mm-hmm. between no there is there is reason to, to get a little gray little gray in the hair a little gray in the beard in your case yeah thanks. Um, yep <laughs> well I've got, it's I've got it everywhere it's coming <laughs> um, but but to be able to say okay command and teach these things but also let no one despise you for your youth but rather set them an example. Be mm-hmm. exemplary in the way that you live your life. Yeah. Okay, so set, set yeah. a bar. Give them, them no reason to yeah. be able to, to say, well, he's just a young guy. Did you see what he the, did the other day? Yeah, exactly. Did you hear what he said the other day? Right. So youthful. Yeah. Right? Uh, what The allowance, the license that he gave to so-and-so. Like, yes, no. So he goes, he's, he goes on and he says here in verse 12, Set the believers an example. Mm-hmm. This is really interesting, right? Uh, because a lot of times I think when we think of setting an example, it's a lot of times with respect to outsiders, to unbelievers. We mm-hmm. want to set a good example so that they can see and come and hear the gospel or whatever. Here, um, it's the, the power of example is something that Paul consistently keeps in front of the church. Right. And here he does it again um, with Timothy. Set the believers an example. The believers an example. In speech, speech, conduct, love, love, faith. Because First Timothy one five, the mm-hmm. aim of our charge is love, love, Since yeah, pure motives, and that's maturity, right? You want to talk about maturity? So mm-hmm. he's a young guy. But you want to talk about setting the believers an example in maturity? Well, First Corinthians thirteen, love. If you have prophetic powers, all yeah. knowledge, this and oh, that, that's... you give your body over to be burned. Nothing it's all nothing without, yeah. without love. You got to learn how to love people. Um, that are hard to love sometimes. That are hard to love sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So set the believers an example in speech and conduct in love in faith. Mm-hmm. And I think this is very important for youthful, right, is is impurity. Impurity, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, he, again, he does have this idea. Um, I don't know if it's in First Timothy or Second Timothy where he tells him flee youthful. youthful. Passions, is that Second Timothy? I think it is. Okay. Flee youthful passions, right? Um, and maybe you get something of that here as well. It's like you set them an example in purity. Yeah. You know, so... There's um, no time like the present. Yeah. It's it's time now to buckle yeah. in. and. Any of those in particular um, stick out to you? Uh, probably speech. Yeah. I think we're very... You know, uh, there, there's a there's a there's a time for jovial, jesting, kind of joking. Yes. But I think we probably go well over that in our culture, well enough, often enough. 
So I think uh, think some seriousness about Are you the task. Taking splinter out of my eye. I'm not. Or my jovial. Joke. No, maybe I'm taking it more out of mine. I think I rely on humor when I get um, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, right. So I'm, no, I'm thinking myself. I'm not thinking you at all. Sheesh. But but I think that's that's something where speech uh, keeping. Yeah. You know, keeping the the goal or the the, mm. the, the end point in in mind as we speak, yeah, it, it's important, and as a place to start, yeah, um, it is going to be his words as a teacher that are going to stand out initially, yeah. and then but then he does immediately go into your conduct. It's going to be that example then worked out that yeah. then that pairs with what you said. That's right. Yeah, I, I think. The speech one is, I mean, James says mm-hmm. that how we use our tongues yeah. is indicative of our spiritual, again, yeah. maturity. Yeah. So just the same way that love is an indicator mm-hmm. of our spiritual maturity, the things that fly out of our mouth yeah. also, yeah. as convicting Whether as it is. Whether they fly out of our mouth. Yes, that's well right. That's right. That's right, yeah. So I think that, that one also is, it's not just um, that you say true things when you're behind the pulpit. Right. It's also the ability, which is, I mean, it is just extremely difficult, especially in a hot take society mm-hmm. that just swirls around us, to know when and how to say certain things and not just let it just all spill out mm-hmm. at a moment's notice. That's very youthful. Yeah. To say what you mean, I, just the kind of guy who says what I mean, yeah. when I, what I, whatever I think, I just say it because mm. I'm going to be true to myself kind of is, is not exactly, I don't think what Paul has in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So speech, conduct, love, faith, faith. Yeah. We mentioned purity a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, faith, anything you want to say to setting the believer as an example in believing? <laughs> in believing in faith. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, I mean, when he gets into, I mean, it, it's really what we've been dealing with in Galatians, but really yeah. here, I mean, as they're dealing with people who want to kind of lay a layer on top of the gospel of something that else is, that could be important, might increase your holiness or godliness, might make it more easy to be who you think Christ yeah. wants you to be. And truly believing that the gospel is core and everything else is just unnecessary and possibly even hurtful addition mm. can be helpful. Yeah. Um, knowing what you actually are standing on. Yeah. Putting your faith wholly into Christ. Yeah. I think that's, that's, a, that's it. It's uh, <clears throat> acting upon the word of God, uh, setting the believers an example and just aligning your life, your conduct with what God says. You, you yeah. hear what God says and you believe it. Um, believers can have a hard time Believing mm-hmm. at a practical, functional, everyday level, yep. the things that God says in His Word, whether they're commands and exhortations, or whether it's just the indicatives of the gospel, right. what what God says about you in Christ. I mean, good grief! Like I, th- I think we really struggle to believe that we're really fully justified or fully accepted or that we have everlasting peace with God or that our sins are fully forgiven, that we are entirely pardoned, that we're yeah. like all these things, that we're new creatures we're in Christ. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That we're dependent people, right? We're little children and we have a heavenly father, like yeah. all these things. And, he, and, and there's an aspect of it, I think, where he's just saying to Timothy, uh, you need to set the believers an example in faith, Yeah, like believing the things that are true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's saying command and teach. Um, 
Let no one despise you for your youth, but act maturely. Mm-hmm. Be spiritually mature. Set them a, uh, an example in that. Verse 13, until I come. Mm-hmm. Here's that word again. Devote, devote. yourself. Yeah. yeah. We want to be <clears throat> devoted people. Yeah. I think that speaks straight into our age where it's very non-committal. Non-committal. Yeah. Uh, nothing is exactly yeah. meaningful. Don't make a hard stand. Yeah. Just right. Make it relational. Not that relational is yeah. bad, but th- th- there's no truth component or that's too much to expect of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and what's, and what's interesting, of course, is we devote ourselves to all kinds of things. Right. Work. Yeah. Money. Going to make every game. I'm going to get Sports. Yeah. yeah. Right. So he's saying here, until I come devote yourself mm-hmm. to, and this is yeah. why we read so much scripture, yep. Yep. in public prayer, scripture. in service, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. Mm-hmm. It was Mark Dever who says, a text well read is a sermon twice preached. Hmm. Something like that. Uh, reading scripture well is, <laughs> yeah. is both sometimes difficult and yeah. when it is well done it is it's yeah. very very helpful well and our folks aren't helped because usually when I when I ask uh, you know like uh, could you, you want to read the call to worship it's usually on Saturday night or Sunday morning and they're like usually, uh, usually earlier than that. but mm, yeah it's okay I don't know no, I think, I think that's, that's where I lag a little bit yeah but but then it is and, and that's my fault so to, to agree that I'm not helping people prepare um, to do this well, that's that's on me. But but it is. Well, it goes into yourself. how much we read on our own, how much we're in the text and yeah. know it well enough that yeah. you know we're we're caught unaware by oh that ending that wasn't how I expected that to go. Yeah. Like read it a couple times. You should probably read it out loud a couple times yeah. before you come to read it before the body. That's not a criticism to anybody who may have spoken. No. God's word. It's, yeah. Just in practice, it's it's, it's prudence. Uh, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation. Exhortation, preaching. Probably preaching. Yeah, probably. He probably preaching. uses exhortation there as a synonym. Yeah. It's the, the the for preaching. Hortatory, the, mm-hmm. the actual making commands, yeah. urging. Yeah. So public reading of Scripture, exhortation to teaching. Teaching. Yeah. So. So we, I mean, like I, I don't want to put a hard fast like you have preaching and then you have teaching. Teaching as like theological, but I mean. We do have significant difference, especially as we focus you know, highly on expository preaching. Yeah. What you may miss at times is just getting those those cross tracks where you bring everything together. It's so helpful why you have, you know, as you're preaching through a particular passage, you may not have a chance to deal with yeah. a bigger flow, so a, a biblical theology or maybe a systematic theology or any of these other things that kind of bring yeah. coherence. Um, and application in maybe our culture, um, those things we can miss easily. We yeah. don't have to. I'm not saying that that's a deficiency maybe in expository yeah. preaching, but sometimes we want to bring those things more to bear. And I wasn't, yeah, I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes we want to bring those things in and have a yeah. little bit more focus. And so, would you say that all preaching is teaching, but that not all teaching is preaching? What do you think about that? I think there is, I think there's exhortation, which can have... This is for my own edification. I'm Sorry, try- everybody. <laughs> I, my initial is yes. I have yeah. this kind of thing in the yeah. back of my head going, yeah. yeah. I mean, you could come out preaching 
and have absolutely no new content. It's mm-hmm. not wrong, yeah. but I'd, I'd say, okay, at that point, you're teaching. It, it, yeah. it maybe ceases to be as much teaching yeah. as much as maybe reminding and then just pushing, urging, commanding. Yeah. Um, and so... I just hear a lot of preaching. I could see preaching that yeah. wasn't teaching. Right. That's what I'm going to say is like, I just think I see a lot of preaching, unfortunately, that has neither element of teaching well, or, or exhortation. <laughs> well, that would be a, yeah. a, a sore, sore well, but deficiency. I think, that's what, I think that's what a lot of, a lot of preaching, um, well, I'll say, I think a lot of, a lot of speaking masquerades mm-hmm. as preaching. And I'm not sure you're, you're giving some narration preaching. or whatever, but you're really not yes. urging people to respond to it. And you're, you're not, not really teaching. giving them any information to, Yeah, you're not teaching the text, not actually teaching the text and then giving exhortations on the basis of that text. Like so. Yeah. Okay. I'm more confident in saying no. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> he says then verse 14, do not neglect the gift you have, mm-hmm. which he which doesn't is, name. He doesn't name, which you were given by, Prophecy, when the council of elders mm-hmm. Presbyterian laid their yeah Presbyter, Presbyter, Pre- Presb- it's Presbyterian, Presbyterian is the yeah it's you can ignore that just <laughs> skip a couple seconds ahead and pretend that didn't happen. Uh, okay, <laughs> do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands. On you. So there's a whole heap of stuff in that one verse. There. Yeah. So that's First Timothy four fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the he has importance. A gift. Yeah, he has a spiritual gift. Don't neglect it. Uh, don't neglect it. The importance of you know having other elders and other you know people who are mature, mature in the faith coming behind you and actually supporting you developing that. Um, My guess is it has to re- it relates to public reading of scripture, exhortation, and teaching. One of the three. It seems or like all. that's immediately yeah. on Paul's mind yeah. that Timothy has a particular preaching gift, and he's saying don't neglect that. Yeah. He's, and he's eventually going to come down and say, you know, um, practice, practice, devote yourself to these things so they may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Right, because people know. Yeah, it sounds like they they know what it was that was said. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he has this gift. Don't neglect it. A lot of times, I mean, we have to ask. Our, we should ask ourselves the question: Are we neglecting the gifts that God has given to us? Yeah. Do we have gifts? That are we over here in the sandbox over here, where we're supposed yeah. to be over here? Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, but then, uh, so, so what do you make? Uh, just curious uh, by prophecy. So it was given you. This gift was given you by prophecy when the council of elders <laughs> laid their hands on you. So. Any thoughts there I'm, as to what's, what Paul's trying to I mean, I, get I take it at face value. I mean, somebody spoke um, by the Spirit's power and said, this is how God is going to be using you. This is something he's gifted mm-hmm. with you. You should focus on that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it implied something about how he was going to be working with Paul. You know, who knows? But yeah. You think that's uh, sort of a, the old testament version of prophecy like a direct revelation kind of thing or is it more of like we see these gifts in timothy and we can see the progress that he's making and it just kind of appears that he's on the i'm more inclined to think of it as old testament okay prophecy yeah um maybe not where you'd get to you know oh it is to be written down and recorded so that people can we're not given those details so we're not but, but i don't necessarily see any reason for him to use prophecy and then just mean 
well, we kind of have an inkling based on what we see going on that this might be the case. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit more than that. It's more than intuition? I think so. Okay. If you have more questions on that, Pastor George, R-T-D-W-T, is that what it's called? O-T? O-T, on the Slack. Okay, there you go. Uh, do not left <laughs> try that again. Given you by prophecy, when the councils of elders mm-hmm. lay their, their hands, hands on, on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just seems like again, there's a blessing that's being mediated through the elders. We would do the same thing if we were setting aside someone for diaconal ministry, setting aside someone for elder ministry. James um, tells us to to do the same with oil hands on the sick. On them. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He goes and he says, practice these things. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of maybe perhaps neglecting the gift that you have, yeah, practice practice these things, devote yourself to them, mm-hmm. get committed, so that all may see your progress. So there's a sense in which I mean, the, I mean one of the maybe the exhortations to us there is that our gifts we can grow the, those gifts that have been given to us, mm-hmm. uh, we can make progress in them. Uh, they're not given fully mature, maybe. Right. Uh, we can receive them to differing degrees. Uh, if we let them sit, they can rot and be taken away. Uh, but if we practice them and devote ourselves to them, right. they can progress and grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we don't practice them, they are unlikely to grow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, practice them, devote yourself to them, so that all may see your progress. And mm-hmm. People need to see your growth. And this is what you were talking about earlier when it comes to younger guys. You're giving them opportunities to to serve in front of the, the church, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you want to get folks, I was, I was talking to uh, Jonathan Rollins about this uh, recently, I think is who it was, but um, you know, you, you want to, the church, like if you were to put someone forward um, for eldership, the church ideally would be like, well, yeah. Yeah, we were wondering when that yeah. was gonna <laughs> Yeah, they've already been serving in all these ways right. um, that are, um, specific to a pastor in the local church. Yeah, that was one of Bobby Jameson's sort of the, the pastor before mm. you pastor. Yeah, right. Yep. So now verse 16 is one to, to kind of focus in on. Mm-hmm. He closes the section by saying, keep a close watch on yourself right, and on the teaching. So again, you're having these, this, um, this two, these two things that are inseparable. Mm-hmm. Your life, yep. your response to the gospel, and your teaching. Mm-hmm. These two things are going together. Keep a close watch on yourself. Mm-hmm. I tend to think, uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's it's uh, <laughs> I don't know, like a pushback against like sort of the the, the Puritans or the puritanical way of life or. Mm-hmm. Holiness as an idea in our culture that's like weird or whatever it is, but we pastors almost feel like they have to fit in I with the be world relatable. around. Yeah, yeah. Have to be relatable. So I can't. I cannot be holy. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah. I cannot be. Uh, you know, uh, distinctly uh, like Jesus. Yeah. Um, but but again, here Paul is is telling Timothy, keep a close watch on you. Right. You can you can be a problem. Yeah. For yourself, for your teaching, and then for the body of Christ. Mm. So keep a close watch on yourself, and then a close watch on the teaching as well. 
one of the things that we saw in Galatians 1 is that Paul, I think it's in Galatians 1, 8, he, he says, even if we, right. even if we should come and preach a different gospel to you yep. than the one we preached to you at first, the one that you received, let us be accursed. Mm-hmm. So he's he is very humbly acknowledging the fact that he he that he the apostle Paul could, for whatever reason, at some point, diverge right. from the truth of the gospel. Hypothet- hypothetical, yeah. But he could. He's just saying if we if we come back, it's your responsibility as a church to know that and to yeah. to deal with it appropriately. Yeah. Um, and so here he's just saying to Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and and on the teaching. Yeah. Right. You have anything you want to add there? Uh, kind of the way I would, way I would put those together is again it's a response to the gospel and then with the tradition I think passed down body of belief but also paired with you have this eyewitness testimony going on idea that you want to keep part of it so you're not just passing on these are you know kind of how I've read scripture and now this is you know just this is I want to, I'm just teaching you what I think. But it's really a passed down body of knowledge about what Jesus has done and how we understand that act, that that resurrection, that death on a cross, yeah. what those have done. There's a body of teaching. And we don't really want to be veering off into, you know, very um, exploratory, questionable things and passing that off as our teaching within mm-hmm. the church. I think a church should be known for... This is what we believe. This is what's been passed down Old to us, and paths. what we're passed down, and Old not paths. and not like, yeah. well, they have all the cool new ideas that are, you know, th- right. that's not what we're to be known for. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And so passing down that, and, and that's why I think then having the gospel. So keeping a watch on yourself is how am I responding to the gospel on the regular? Yeah, that keeps me in check to the gospel, and then that teaching flows from the gospel. So you've kind of kept them together mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah, anyway. and he tells him here persist in this yeah. keep a close watch on yourself in the teaching persist yeah. don't don't stop doing this this needs to be you need to be devoted to this yeah persist in this and then and then he puts this on on it okay mm-hmm. for by so doing by persisting and keeping a close watch on yourself mm-hmm. and on the teaching he says you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, George, <laughs> in verse 10, it says, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, mm-hmm. especially of those who believe. Yeah. Okay, so he, he's just said in verse 10, Jesus is the Savior. Yes. Of, of all people in one sense, and mm-hmm. especially of those who believe. Yeah. And then he comes here in verse 16 and says, Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers go okay <laughs> one language doesn't always use the same word to mean the same thing in all contexts what does he mean here ding well i, I would say save from what yeah. and in this case I, I think it's we could even put it in terms that we've been running through galatians they have heard a you know teaching that pre- presents itself as a second gospel yeah. or maybe a addition to the gospel that gets it right where paul has somehow been less than forthright Hmm. if he persists in doing this they won't fall 
they'll stick with the gospel. To something like that. They will keep yeah. with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that promises eternal life. Yeah. It's those who fall away from that into some other perverted twist of the gospel yeah. that have no guarantee right. that the, 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 they've really experienced yeah. Christ. It salvation. seems very... It seems very um, <clears throat> Similarly, um, thematically aligned here with verses seven and eight have nothing to do with irreverent, silly mm-hmm. myths. Yeah. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also and for the life to come. come. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's right. He he's just saying stick with the gospel. You know, persist in keeping a close watch on yourself and the mm-hmm. teaching is just stick with the gospel. Be immovable from the truth right. about Jesus, and um, and and the people will be as well. If you right. stay with Jesus, the people will, will stay with Jesus, yeah. and in the end, Jesus will come back because we've set our hope on the living God who's coming back, and you will be saved. Right. There, there are different ways to think about our salvation. A lot of times when we talk about, well, you're a saved person, we're talking about conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul will also use salvation in terms of sanctification. Mm-hmm. He'll also use salvation in terms of the, the final day, right. where, where that salvation that's been inaugurated will be consummated as well. And so he's just saying that by doing this, you know, Jesus says, it's those who will persevere to the end right. who will be saved. saved. While they yeah. saved just then, well... Yes, in a yes. consummate way. Yeah. Um, but the reason that they're going to make it there is because they have been saved already as well. Right. And so I think he's just saying, just keep a close watch on these things, persist in it, uh, because in this way, you're going to prepare people for glory. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to stick with the gospel and y'all be ready. Yep. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Anything else here, brother? No, I think it's fairly well covered. Uh, really encouraging. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for the time.